It's Monday, and you know what that means? No Filter. I'm your host, Anna Kasparian, and you're either watching or listening to No Filter, and I'm super excited for the show today. We're gonna do something on the show that we actually haven't done before. In the B Block, we will have an interview with the filmmaker behind an incredible documentary known as Drugs. It talks about the pharmaceutical industry and some of the shady dealings that go on in Washington that essentially go against our best interests and lead us to a sicker and more expensive future. I'll give you the details on that and more later on, but I wanna get right to the A block because we're gonna talk about how Republicans might have missed their mark when it comes to the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Last week, members of the House of Representatives held a hearing with Google CEO Sundar Pichai in an effort to determine whether the tech giant search engine contained any sort of political bias. Conservative lawmakers are convinced that the engineers over at Google have an anti-right-wing slant because, well, let's face it, they just don't know how the internet works. That became abundantly clear to me after watching this hilarious exchange between Pichai and Republican Representative Steve Shabbat. A while back, Republicans in the House passed legislation to repeal and replace Obamacare. Our bill was called the American Health Care Act or the AHCA. When I was writing my blog about that, I Googled American Health Care Act and virtually every article was an attack on our bill. Article after article alleging that our bill would result in millions and millions of people losing the great care that they were supposedly getting under Obamacare. Um, I would argue that was completely false. Uh, but it wasn't until you got to the third or fourth page of search results before you found anything remotely positive about our bill. Now, I know Google's attitude, um, uh, the algorithm made us do it, but I, I don't know that I buy that. Oh, You don't know if you buy that. I mean, what does that even mean? Can Representative Shabbat even explain how an algorithm works? The algorithm made us do it. The most telling part of that was how shocked he was to find out that efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act have been unpopular. I'm gonna take a wild guess and assume that Americans don't like the thought of getting rid of a law that prevents private insurers from dropping them over a pre-existing condition. Of course, I could be wrong, but the great news is that we're about to find out how the public really feels about the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Because it appears that Republicans got what they've been asking for since the passage of the health care law. A federal judge in Texas has struck down the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, by deeming it unconstitutional following the repeal of the federal mandate by congressional Republicans. It has been nearly one year since President Trump signed into law the tax cut bill passed with zero Democratic votes in Congress. And now one part of the legislation is impacting the future of the Affordable Care Act. The law eliminated the individual mandate, a penalty considered a tax by the Supreme Court for anyone who does not have health insurance. In a lawsuit backed by 19 Republican attorneys general and one Republican governor, argues that since the penalty has been eliminated, Obamacare is no longer constitutional. In a 55-page ruling, Judge Reed O'Connor agreed, writing the penalty can no longer be fairly read as an exercise of Congress's tax power. In other words, US District Judge Reed O'Connor believes that even though the Affordable Care Act has stood up against countless legislative and legal challenges and has actually been upheld by the Supreme Court not once but twice, 
Repealing the mandate supposedly changes the law into something new altogether. That opens to the door to his interpretation that the law in its current form is unconstitutional. The Obamacare mandate, which required every American to buy health insurance, was repealed in unpopular legislation that provided massive tax cuts for the wealthy. You know, it's actually impressive how congressional Republicans can dismantle health care for middle class and working class Americans while simultaneously cutting taxes for their rich buddies. Maybe their party should be rebranded to the party of insult to injury. Oh, and by the way, Representative Shabbat, the guy who needs a three and a half hour long hearing with the Google CEO to find out that his policies suck, was also shocked to find out that the tax cuts weren't received well either. To be fair, the federal mandate was unpopular because it essentially forced us to buy private insurance or we'd face penalties later for not doing so. People don't like to be forced to do anything, but the whole point of the mandate was to keep healthcare premiums and deductibles low by having healthy people pay into the system to subsidize older and unfortunately oftentimes sicker patients. When Republicans repealed that portion of the healthcare law, we all suspected that it would lead to rising premiums and healthcare costs. But most people didn't expect that getting rid of the mandate would convince a federal judge that the entire law is unconstitutional. If this ruling stands, there's actually a pretty big price to pay. Although the ACA did have major flaws, it also accomplished incredibly important protections and reforms that I feel Trump supporters have taken for granted. Aside from barring insurers from denying or dropping coverage over pre-existing conditions, Obamacare also capped out-of-pocket medical expenses, something that I actually wasn't aware of myself until my husband underwent surgery this year. Now, the surgery alone, not including anesthesia, cost $40,000. But my out-of-pocket expenses were capped at a much lower number thanks to Obamacare. The Affordable Care Act also allowed kids to remain on their parents' insurance until the age of 26 and expanded Medicaid to help cover low-income Americans. Now all of that is in jeopardy. Chip Kahn, the head of the Federation of American Hospitals, says, quote, the judge got it wrong. This ruling would have a devastating impact on the patients we serve and the nation's healthcare system as a whole. California Attorney General Javier Becerra called the ruling, quote, an assault on 133 million Americans with pre-existing conditions. He, along with congressional Democrats, plan on challenging the Texas judge's ruling. Their hope is that our extremely conservative Supreme Court will uphold the Affordable Care Act. I guess we'll see what happens, but I personally wouldn't bet that our conservative justices, two of whom were nominated by Trump, would decide against the lower court's ruling. But again, we'll see. I guess the silver lining here is that Republicans like Steve Shabbat will get a chance to measure the popularity of their policies or lack thereof. My guess is that they're in for a lot of disappointment. In fact, researchers from Columbia University and UC Santa Barbara published a paper in the American Political Science Review demonstrating that senior congressional staffers, meaning those who are responsible for setting the legislative agenda, tend to believe that voters support conservative policies more than they actually do. According to the Washington Post, this stunning misperception can largely be explained by the disproportionate attention lawmakers and their aides lavish on donors and special interest groups. Now for the study, the political researchers sent out a survey for senior staffers to fill out. One section of the survey asked staffers to estimate public support in their own districts for repealing Obamacare. 
As the Washington Post notes, the authors compared the aides' responses to actual district level public opinion on the issues, and the results showed a stark disconnect. Aides' estimate of public support for the proposals were way off base relative to what the actual numbers indicate. And as the researchers write, in none of the five areas are staffers estimating their constituents preferences with any degree of relative or absolute accuracy. Legislative aides in Republican offices were particularly bad at estimating their constituent support for various policies, including the repeal of Obamacare. So it appears that Republicans are in a bit of trouble following the federal judge's ruling on the ACA. And guess what? I'm not the only one saying it. Even conservatives are panicking over the political ramifications of this decision, and they should be. The Washington Times, which is a conservative outlet, published a headline reading, Obama ruling poses new problems for the GOP. The article even continues to say that the federal judge's ruling has landed like a stink bomb among Republicans who have seen the politics of healthcare flip as Americans increasingly value the overhaul's core parts, including protections for pre-existing medical conditions and Medicaid for low-income people. Actions have consequences, and no one's immune from paying the price for being a greedy and corrupt jackass. If our lawmakers spent more time talking to their constituents and less time trying to raise money from corporate interests, maybe they'd understand the pain and suffering their policies have caused. But maybe our lawmakers want to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Like how outgoing New Jersey representative Tom MacArthur felt when one of his constituents addressed healthcare at a town hall in 2017. My wife was diagnosed with cancer when she was 40 years old. She beat it, but every day, every day, she lives with it. She thinks about it. Every pain, every new something going on somewhere, is it coming back? Is this cancer? Do I have it again? Is it gonna kill me this time? Is it gonna take me away from my children? Speaking of which, my children both have pre-existing conditions from birth. One cardiac, one thyroid. You have been the single greatest threat to my family in the entire world. You are the reason I stay up at night. You are the reason that I can't sleep. That was powerful. Representative MacArthur was defeated by Democrat Andy Kim in the midterm elections. And it could be a sign of more things to come for the Republican Party. We'll be right back. Welcome back to No Filter. As the debate over how to reform healthcare in America rages on, one of the biggest factors in the discussion is the cost of pharmaceutical drugs. The United States spends more than any other country on these medicines. And despite what the industry tells you, it's not because we're sicker than any other country. Do most Americans know that Medicare isn't allowed to negotiate the prices of these drugs? And if they do, are they aware of why that's the case? Luckily, there's a new documentary film called Drugs that explains just how devastatingly greedy the pharmaceutical industry is and how they've successfully corrupted our elected officials to help them increase their profits. Side effects include headaches, flushing, upset stomach, and abnormal vision. Where do drug prices come from? It's whatever the companies want, whatever they feel the traffic will bear. Trouble with breathing. This is an industry-wide problem of price gouging sick and dying Americans. They're in it to make money. 
let's not forget, the drug industry is the most profitable industry in America. No other industry is even close. Everything we were to do was about making Wall Street happen. All the way over. I wonder if you would do anything differently. I probably would have raised the price higher. Here to talk about this documentary is filmmaker Jonathan Marshall Thompson, who covered quite a bit of ground yep. <laughs> with this film. Uh, you touched on everyone. Uh, you talked about Myelin Pharmaceuticals. Uh, you talked about uh, what was going on with Martin Shkreli and how he increased the price of an incredibly important drug for AIDS patients. And you know, I give you a lot of credit because it's it's difficult to cover all those different issues mm-hmm. and also. Be compelling, you know. I mean, right. there was a lot uh, going on, but um, tell me why you decided to focus your efforts on this particular issue. I think that it's it's such a dense and complicated topic, and yet it, and it affects everybody's lives, right? And I think that that gets people in a in a position where they just don't understand it. And if you don't understand it, then you, it's hard to even have an opinion on it, right? So. I said, well, it's, it's, once you really dive into it, it's amazing the system that the pharmaceutical companies has set up and how bad of a deal we're getting. So I said to myself, well, if we can really break this down bite size and make it entertaining for people that aren't necessarily hardcore activists, right. you know, for normal people to understand and to be educated, then you know, you're going to have an opinion. You know? You're going to be active at that point because it's just... It's just incredibly rigged, really. It, it is incredibly rigged, and we're gonna get to the details of that in just a second. One of the things that stood out to me, though, was you had uh, a few uh, people in the film uh, who shared their story of getting sick and not having the resources necessary to pay for these uh, life-saving drugs. Two of them actually died uh, right. while you were uh, you know, creating this film. And it was hard for me to watch that, uh, to see that they were such fighters trying to do the right thing and get the word out about what's happening with the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, our system is so rigged that we were we were too late for them. You know, right. they, they lost their lives as a result of what's going on. Right. And and you know, when it came to the Affordable Care Act, there was a lot of fear mongering about so-called death panels. Sure. But I mean, people are dying all around us because of the system we currently have. Yeah, I mean, halfway through production, honestly, for a lot of it, we were really focusing on you know the facts and the education side of it. But after talking with some of these people, you know, like going to their houses, spending time with them, these people have kids, they have moms, dads, you know, aunts, uncles, and then you really realize, you know, how much of an impact this has on people. You know, like moms who can't afford medication for their own child. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and with my parents getting older and needing medication. You know, it's like it became a really important thing for us to get a human element in the film to remind people, you know, this could be your mom, this could be your dad, this could be your son, your daughter. And, you know, yeah, I mean, like people, you know, I literally did an interview and later on she was right next to me and we were doing the interview of her friend and then all of a sudden she started seizing up. I helped carry her to her bed, called the you know, ambulance, and mm-hmm. on my way to the airport to the next interview, they called and said she had died. That's devastating. You know, really and is. her husband seeing him, you know, crying, you know, and that was a couple that had to have a divorce, um, so that they, could, you know, so they could afford the medication to qualify for the benefits. Because her husband um, allegedly made too much money to qualify Correct. for any type of government program to exactly. help her afford the medication. I mean, it was such a devastating story. But you know, when we look at the issue of affordability uh, in the pharmaceutical market here in the United States, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, 
talking points, many excuses that you hear from the industry. And a lot of those excuses have to do with research and development. So the big argument is, well, you know, our scientists have spent a lot of money developing these these drugs. We spent a lot of resources doing it. We need to recoup what we have spent on developing these medications. But that's really not what's going on. The problem is that it's not transparent, right? We don't really know how much they spend on research and development. That's purposeful so that we we don't know. I mean, that's like their main tool is to keep keep people in the dark. But what we do know is that they spend an overwhelming amount of money on marketing, right? On these commercials that everybody sees. The problem with that is that it's completely unnecessary because if you want if you need medication, you go to your doctor who's educated, who's a professional, mm-hmm. and they say you need X Y and Z drug or whatever it is. Not me who has nothing. I don't I don't know anything about medicine, sees a commercial who's saying, you need this, you need this, you need this. So it's just, that's the marketing side is a no brainer in terms of, it's just completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, it does nothing other than to just make cloud us all judgment. think we're sick and we yeah. need to, you know, take a pill to, right. to solve something that probably doesn't even really exist in our lives. Correct. Um, and so marketing wasn't always. Uh, this prevalent, uh, pharmaceutical marketing wasn't. Right. Um, and so you touch on when the change happened in your film, but can you just talk about it a little bit uh, for our audience? Yeah, I mean, it really it really changed when, well, first of all, the United States and New Zealand are the only countries that allow direct-to-consumer marketing, <clears throat> which is, I think, really surprising you know, to people. You know, When you live in the United States, you just assume that that's just, uh, everybody has that, right. and not true. Um, but really, it came with uh, President Clinton, who basically allowed these pharmaceutical companies uh, to start marketing. Uh, before that, they were basically limited to print ads and and whatnot. So now, everything is you know, uh, ask your doctor, ask your doctor, ask your doctor. One other thing I wanted to just quickly touch on was the price gouging. So mm-hmm. price gouging by the pharmaceutical industry has been going on for a long time now, but it appears that no one was really paying attention to it until Martin Shkreli came along and he increased the price of a drug that he didn't develop, mm-hmm. his researchers didn't develop, his pharmaceutical company didn't develop. He just bought the rights to that pharmaceutical drug and then increase the price mm-hmm. to nearly $800. Mm-hmm. The pill was around $50, I'm you know, rounding right. to, for our audience. But now all of a sudden people are paying attention to what's happening with the pharmaceutical companies and how they're increasing the prices. What about the CEOs of these pharmaceutical companies? How are they doing? Because the way that they talk about research and development, it seems like these pharmaceutical companies are really struggling. You know, These CEOs, they're really doing God's work here in trying to develop these important drugs. But what's really going on behind the scenes? How are they getting paid? Well, I mean, that's a really complicated topic that we actually talk about a lot in the film. You know, it has to do with really, I mean, yes, they have their large salaries, but they also cash in on on their stocks, you know, which is, you know, I think a really complicated and dense topic. But basically by them driving up, driving up their cost, Buying their stocks back, mm-hmm. buying their stocks back, and then cashing in later. You know, I think Gilead's a, a, a prime example of doing this. You know, you know, yeah, your your salary is eighteen million, but by the time you get your stocks, you're making like two hundred something plus million dollars a year. Exactly. Yeah. Which you can only imagine on what that money could be used for, uh, for good. And you know, they they. They clearly, as you would expect them to do, talk to their employees and everybody to say, well, we are doing this amazing work. We're doing this amazing work. 
But you know, I, I, I think I make it a point in the film too, though, to say that yes, the pharmaceutical companies are at fault, but we really got to push, I think, heavily on our the people that are supposed to take care of us in exactly. government. Exactly. You know, exactly. our Congress and everything. It's like, that's your job. And, and the not way doing you do job. that uh, is by getting the money out. These mm -hmm. politicians have been corrupted by the, the very corporate interests that you uh, cover quite a bit in, in your documentary film. Mm -hmm. Please check it out, guys. It was a fantastic film. I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, it's called Drugs. And uh, thank you to filmmaker Jonathan Marshall Thompson for coming in and talking to us a little bit about it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back. We end the show as we always do with my favorite things. My favorite thing is that Trump's new acting chief of staff thinks he's a terrible human being. And I'm not just saying that, there's video evidence from 2016 featuring Mick Mulvaney, someone I can't stand, and the acting chief of staff calling Donald Trump a terrible human being. Yes, I'm supporting Donald Trump. I'm doing so as enthusiastically as I can, given the fact that I think he's a terrible human being. Uh, but the choice on the other side is just as bad. Wow. Apparently, this made Trump so mad, he gave Mulvaney the worst punishment in the universe, making him chief of staff to Donald Trump. And you know, it's serious punishment because from the moment it was announced that Trump's current chief of staff, John Kelly, was stepping down, we saw report after report of people saying they would essentially rather die than have that job. Anyway, everyone, thank you so much for watching No Filter. Special thanks to Jesus Godoy, Skip Velaco, Bart Kyle, Sophie Sai, Brett Ehrlich, Edwin Umania, Craig Lowry, Arthur Aguirre, Bert Hidalgo, all the people that made the show possible. And thank you for watching the show, listening to the show, and rating us. Leave a five star rating. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week with another episode of No Filter.